Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Murph Douglas from Power Man 5000. This is Dave from Vices. This is Tom Hazar, and you're listening to the voices of my head. All is now being recorded. Hey, and welcome to the Voices in My Head podcast. Thanks for listening. Looking over the history of metal and rock record labels, there were and are some very heavy hitters such as Megaforce, Napalm, Metal Blade, and so many others. Combat Records and EMP label group fall into that same category when it comes to the metal and rock community. EMP label group is co-owned by Dave Ellison, bassist of Megadeth, as well as his solo projects and his partner and singer for his solo work is Tom Hazart. We had a great looking back into Tom's background, which included Megaforce and his present projects, including co-writing with Dave on his book, More Life of Death, co-writing on the Dave Ellison solo project, The Mega Cruise, and working alongside with Dave on the Dave Ellison Coffee Company, and so much more. Please check out the links on the post for more info on these projects as well as the business info. Now enough of the introduction, let's get into this. Tom, great to have you on. You're currently working with Dave on a few things, including his solo project. Can you give us a story on this? This story is basically a platform we put together for David to go out and tour. As a bass player, obviously, it's not an easy thing to go out and do a solo tour, so we create a bass story, which originally was more like a clinic. You'd go out and kind of do spoken word and kind of talk, tell stories, and jam along to his iPod, and then developed, and then he went out with a bumblefoot, and a couple guys went out and played with them, and they became a full band, and they were just kind of jamming stuff. And then one day, they needed somebody to sing the Megadeth song, so I did, and then it turned into us doing the bass story tour we did this summer, which was a full live band set with us uh, playing a full set of stuff, Megadeth stuff and stuff off of our new solo record that ended up coming out of it, Sleeping Giant. So, so yeah, but that's a very long answer to your short question. Yes, I'm the singer for David Ellison's solo band. We checked out a bunch of solo projects on YouTube. Great work. How did you get Daryl from Run DMC a part of this? I said I heard you went down a little rabbit hole earlier. Right, man, I love Daryl. He's been a good friend of mine for several years. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it was totally kind of just random. I mean, I knew him, and we'd worked together on some previous projects, and Bumblefoot produced a record for him, who I work with. And you know, me and Dave were just 
originally we went in the studio to just record one song. We were in Tampa and we have a studio in Tampa that we're partners in called Master Sound. And we, yeah, we'd done this big bass story all-star jam in Tampa with Head from Corn and Dirk for Buren from Megadeth and Jason Beeler and Bumblefoot and a bunch of other guys. And we were there for a couple of days. I'm like, dude. I mean, David obviously had the the new book, More Life with Death, that was coming out. I'm like, let's go to the studio and just go write and record a song for the hell of it. And we're just going to do something for like a, a download with the book or something. We ended up writing the song Vultures, and that turned into us doing a whole, you know, it was going to do that. And then he's like, well, I got these other couple cool new songs that were instrumental. Write something for those. And one of those was Sleeping Giants, and one of those was a Hammer Comes Down. And Sleeping Giants hit up DMC, and I said, hey, buddy, me and Allison are, are doing this uh solo thing and would you want to do a song with me do vocals and kind of write it with me and he said absolutely so i sent him the track and he started writing his verses for sleeping giants i wrote all my stuff and it turned out fucking awesome you know david wrote a lot i'm like so far so good so what and those early records and you know you can hear it man I mean, a lot of that influence is in there but it's still kind of more modern and some of it's almost got like a you know new york hardcore feel to it i mean i mean it's weird it's heavier than anything david's ever done and i think you know, my voice is a little heavier and it brings a little more heaviness to it but again I think it's definitely got that classic you know I mean Vultures is like kind of a classic you know Megadeth punk style fucking vibe you know but yeah I mean it's totally I love it man it's a little heavier than anything David's ever done before even in or out of Megadeth but it's still definitely traditional kind of to the roots of where David came from you know and now here's Sleeping Giants
Give us your background with Dave's stuff and what you're up to. I just started existing three weeks ago when I started seeing for David. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I started out as a manager. And uh, if you read mine and David's new book, More Life of Death, you will find all this out. But I started out as a, a manager, and I, I did A&R for a bunch of major labels and marketing. And I worked with, like, Limp Biscuit and Stained and Cold. And, you know, I, I basically discovered Chimera and got them signed, a band called Switched, who were on Virgin, a band called Depthswap, who were on Geffen. You know, so I, I got a bunch of bands signed, and, you know, then I kind of started doing more management, and then I started a label called Corporate Punishment Records that was pretty fucking big for about a decade, and we put out 200 records, and then kind of got out of music for a couple of years, disappeared, and then I connected with David five years ago. We kind of reconnected and uh, started doing stuff, and we started EMP, and then we started the coffee company, and then we relaunched Combat, and then we started off on this, this musical adventure. And, you know, I mean, it's cool. I've always been a musician. I've always been a producer. I've always been a singer. But I just never was like, yeah, I want to be a rock star. You know what I mean? It was just not really on my agenda. I've always sang, and I've always kind of sang in bands for fun and did shit for fun. And then it's like, you know, I end up the first record I put out, really, is with David Ellison from Megadeth and the charts on 13, you know, billboard charts the day the week it comes out. You know, so I mean, it's definitely great. It's been a great platform. And as far as my influences, man, I, I mean, really, Megadeth is honestly one of my biggest influences. Megadeth, Faith No More, Alice in Chains, King Diamond, Mother Lovebone, Andrew Woods, a huge fucking vocal influence on me. I mean, again, musical influences are one thing. You know, Molly Crew, I mean, there's musical influences and, and, and just influences that kind of, you know, just inspired me to be who I am. And then there's the, the vocal influences, which are definitely, you know, Wayne Staley, Mike Patton, Mike Moore from Suicidal Tendencies, you know, Max Cavalera, you know, Bill Anselmo, you know, I mean, again, Tom Araya. James Hetfield, fucking Mustaine, I, you know, Rob Zombie. I mean, obviously, like, it goes all the way back to, you know, Zeppelin and Kiss and, you know, everything sort of in between, you know, but I definitely, Sebastian Bach, Sebastian Bach is honestly probably one of my biggest vocal influences, which is kind of funny, but, you know, that he's fucking great, you know? I mean, look, I love Run DMC, I love NWA, I love, you know, Rob Bass, I love a lot of classic hip-hop stuff. And last weekend, we were in L.A., before we left for the mega cruise and uh Sebastian's son, and, and I've kind of gotten to know Sebastian. Sebastian's son, Paris, actually filled in for Altitudes and Attitudes, Dave and Frank Bellows thing in L.A. He's a drummer, and he filled in when we played at uh, at MI in L.A., and you know, so Paris was kind enough to get me on the list. The week, weekend before the Mega Cruise, Sebastian played Two Nights of the Whiskey. The first night, he played the first album in its entirety, and the second night, he played Slave to the Grind in its entirety, and Paris and Sebastian's wife were kind enough to get, get us on the list for the shows and it was fucking awesome man he still sounds great his band sounds great and I'm I'm friends with the Skid Row guys too and they're out and they sound great and their new singer ZP who's the original singer in Dragon Force he's fucking great too I mean look they're both doing great things I mean look as a fan I'd love to see them just fucking knock it off and go tour together but at the same time they're both out doing it and they're both happy and doing their thing so God bless but you know they should bury the hatchet and move on but whatever Moving on to the EMP Combat Records and Elves and Coffee, how did you get involved with this? Well, look, basically, you know, me and David started, when me and David originally, I, I met David, he, when he was out of Megadeth, he worked at PV, and uh, you know, some of the bands I managed at the time were PV artists, so I kind of met him through that. He was the a &R guy for PV, and we, we kind of stayed in touch, but it was 
sporadic. And then in 2014, 2015, I was actually uh, doing some special features for Shout Factory, for Scream Factory. I uh, helped produce some stuff for People Under the Stairs and Army of Darkness. And then my uh, my buddy Michael Felsher, who does a lot of special features for a lot of movies, told me they were doing Shocker, which is one of my favorite fucking movies ever, and the soundtrack and Dangerous Toys and Alice Cooper and Megadeth and fucking forget about it, you know? So I basically badgered them until they let me do something about the soundtrack. So I directed and produced a, a 30-minute mini documentary about the Shocker soundtrack that is on the 2015 Blu-ray special edition that came out through Scream Factory. And through that process, I kind of reconnected with David. I, I hit up Megadeth Management. They blew me off. So I, you know, Hail Mary hit up David on, on Facebook and said, hey, I'm doing the Shocker thing. I need Megadeth. I need you want to do an interview. And he hit me back literally within minutes and said, yeah, absolutely. So we set it up and did it. And through that, we kind of reconnected and started talking. And at the time, you know, Megaforce had offered him an imprint label and he was thinking about doing it because he was managing Dalskin at the time. And he's like, well, look, I'm going to start. And, and so, and he was producing. So I was managing this thing called Horizon Chaos and they were working on a record. So we got David to produce a little bit of stuff for the record and he fell in love with it and like, hey, I have this imprint thing that Megaforce is offering me to do. You want to, you know, I want to sign them. So basically, David signed Horizon Chaos and had Dollskin and those were the two things that, first two things that came out on EMP and for a while it was created and then, you know, we were only with Megaforce for a short time and then we moved over to E1 and as time ran on, I started kind of running it and running labels was kind of my thing. So eventually it just kind of, David kind of just became the name over the door and I kind of ran the day-to-day stuff and signed most of the bands and just sort of did it all, you know, in David's, you know, at David's behest and again, but he's awesome and loves all the bands and very supportive and, you know, again, so yeah, that's kind of how that all came to pass, you know, we were just sort of casually reconnected and it was just the right place at the right time, you know, and I ended up becoming, you know, his partner and his manager and we started the coffee company and the David Olson Youth Music Foundation and we wrote the book and now we're in a this musical adventure together. I mean, it really has taken us, you know, we're, we just you know, ended up playing on the Mega Cruise last week, which was fucking crazy. You know, we're going to Europe next week to do a, a you know, two and a half week tour in Italy and the UK and Switzerland. And we're actually doing this uh, huge show with KK Downing and Les Binks and Ripper Owens at a KK Steel Mill in Wolverhampton, which is basically me and David Duke and, and our band over there, which is our buddy Andy Martin Jelly and a couple other guys. You know, we're basically doing our full set, and then Dave, KK, Ripper, and Les are going to do a Judas Priest set, and I'm going to come back up for the encore, and me and Ripper are going to share vocals for, you know, the last two Judas Priest songs for the... So, again, a lot of really cool shit just keeps coming. You know, we put out the record, and that did really well, and, again, now this KK Downing thing's kind of happening, and we're kind of starting to talk about working on another solo record, and I've been writing some stuff with Chris Poland, and, you know, whatever. You never know where this crazy adventure rock and roll is going to take you. I know he had Chris Pollan, Mark Tremonti, and a bunch of others on the Hammer Comes Down. Explain what happened here. Came together. I mean, look, it was basically, so David had that song written instrumentally, and uh, it was really like kind of a Frankenstein thing, man. It was all, the temples were all weird, and the, and the drums were kind of all over the place. So we had Dave McClain from Machine Head come in and track the drums, and we basically 
So Dave McLean from Sacred Reich now, formerly of Machine Head, and uh, he was actually in the studio, the studio where we recorded that Platinum Underground in Phoenix. Sacred Reich did their new record there. So McLean was in there doing drums for the Sacred Reich record, and one day we just had him cut the drums for that real quick. So basically, he recorded the drums. We didn't even have a final structure. He just kind of recorded the drums, sort of how we thought it was going to be, and recorded some extra parts. We could kind of Frankenstein it together, and then we built his drum part, and then me and John Acolino, the engineer, just basically built the song over it. He did the drums, we put the drums together, and then Joy Radswell from the Sacred Right came in and just killed the fucking guitars, and then, you know, we sent it off to Tremonti and Chris to lay down their leads, and they put him in, and David tracked his bass, and then, yeah, I wrote my vocals, and it was super cool, because I was, you know, I, I literally just came up with my vocals at the end, man, that was the one song that fucking just killed me for months, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and then one day it just hit me, and it was written in like five minutes, and then the next day, me and David were like, God, we want some little thrash here on this. So we called it Barrick AK. Originally, Phil Ryan from Sacred Reich was going to come in and do, do vocals on it with me, and he got sick or something that day. So we called it Barrick AK. He came down that night. Me and him wrote that chorus and laid it down, and, and then the rest is history, man. It really just, yeah, there's so many people on that song. Andy Martin-Jelly, who I mentioned, who uh, is playing guitar for us in Europe. He's the one who does all the killer leads and stuff through all the verses. I mean, it's really, there's some great fucking play. I mean, again, I'm just a music fan, so me, like, thinking I'm on a track with Eric A.K. and Dave McClain and fucking Chris Poland and Tremonti, and, 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 you know, it's super, and it came out great, man, it came out great, and the, the video that Melody Myers did is fucking great, I mean, it's really, I, I can't say enough good things about that song, I mean, and the guys on it, and Poland's become a dear friend of mine, and Tremonti has, and, you know, everybody on that song I absolutely love, and I'm so proud of it, and so happy that we pulled it off, you know? There's a ton of influences of mine, including being a bass player, a guitar player. It just overall, it's incredible. Yeah, he definitely like. I mean, honestly, I think Barn on David is one of you know probably the top five bass players in history. I don't care what genre. I mean, as far as influence and style, and I mean, David's playing style. I mean, really influenced so many. And that was kind of what we, you know, really got into in the book, too, you know, to jump around. Tremonti's actually in our book, too, and so is Head from Corn and Dan Donegan. And, you know, a lot of these cats, and I interviewed them for the book, and that's what we were talking about, is just the influence that Megadeth had on them. And Megadeth, Tremonti was a huge Megadeth fan, you know, and me and him had a really cool conversation for the book. And, uh, and again, he, he really, that piece sells so far as it gets up here, just like me. Me and Mark are kind of the same age, you know, we kind of bonded over the fact that that's kind of like our Megadeth is so far so good so what and you know that's sort of, but Tremonti yeah Tremonti is such a cool guy and he's such a metal guy I, I'm so glad that he's finally getting to kind of let that out in Tremonti and some of his other stuff and you know it, it, but yeah I mean he's such a metal guy and so steeped in metal and influence and that's what's so cool to get him to just let loose and unleash on a full on fucking metal song you know yeah and look and we've had conversation me and Mark have had conversation about me him and David writing yeah, some stuff together for the eventually me and David are going to do another record I guess we've been talking about it and have some other again like those three songs I mean look so Sleeping Giants is basically just three new songs and then uh, well they're reworked they're not even new one's new and then the rest are a bunch David was going to make called F5 and his years away from Megadeth and there's a bunch of cool unreleased demos and then some other songwriting demos he had you know one If You Were God was like a 1993 songwriting demo with John Bush that he did like during Countdown to Extinction I think you know what I mean so <clears throat> So it was just kind of like a B-sides and rarities thing, but 
the, you know, the full on record, again, we're talking to a bunch of people and a bunch of people are like, God, I want to be on that. And originally Max Cavalera, we were talking to about doing something. We couldn't work out the timing, but you know, who knows, man, who knows who's going to end up on the, on the full record when we do it. I mean, again, it's going to be awesome, but we have talked to, you know, me and Mark and, and David have talked about trying to get together at some point and trying to just write a couple songs from scratch and just see what happens. But just, you know, as a music fan, I want to see that happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is there any unknown artist that you came across? Let's talk more about that. I mean, honestly, I mean, most of the bands like that, I mean, I've signed, you know what I mean? I, I mean, there's a couple of young bands that I'm kind of working with that I'm sort of trying to help push down the path a little bit. But look, there's, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of great, you know, kind of, there's a band called Fatal Malady from Phoenix that we've been working with and we put out their record and their, you know, again, I'm always trying to find new bands and find new stuff and just find the next thing. But again, I mean, now it's, it's, it's funny. We're in this weird period where it's like people are either trying to be too original and too fucking weird or sort of just revisiting things and doing it in a new way. So it's, it's weird, man. It's a weird, I think it's a weird time for music in general, just trying to figure out where it's going to go and where it's going to find its place. I mean, dude, honestly, like all I listen to, I, I, I mean, honestly, I listen to like the last two fucking Post Malone records over and over again. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what to listen to anymore, man. I mean, I find stuff. I listen to stuff. It's part of my day-to-day -day workflow, but I mean, when I'm just sitting down listening to music, I'm listening to fucking Megadeth or Skid Row or obscure 80s metal records or fucking Post Malone. <laughs> been, you know, hip-hop and metal. That's always kind of been my thing, and I mean, look, I sort of walked away from hip-hop in the 90s, the 2000s, it changed and went in a different direction that I'm not really that into, but, you know, Posty, for whatever reason, my number one, he's a super cool fucking guy, I've gotten to hang out with him, and we've kind of gotten to become friends, and he's fucking awesome. I actually went and saw him a couple weeks ago in Chicago and hung out with them, and just such a great guy, and so fucking talented. I mean, you know, Post Malone just has such undeniable talent. I mean, he's a musician, He's a writer. I, I mean, he's just really, I, I mean, again, I think he's just really done something completely fucking different. And, and again, he's really come from nothing as a metal guy, sort of found his way into that world he's in and, and, and taken it over and basically dominated the fucking world. God bless, you know. It's, I mean, I can't say enough good things about him, you know. Let's talk about some off-the-cuff music that you're listening to. What's in your head? You know, it's funny. And, yeah, yeah. You know, first, when I first I heard about him, I was like, eh, whatever. And then I really, and then, you know, and honestly, then I found out he was like, he has like a so far so good so what tattoo. You know what I mean? Like, he has like a Dimebag Daryl tattoo on his finger. Like, I found out he's like a big metal guy. And that's when I kind of was like, oh, I got to check out what this guy's about. And then I, you know, heard his first record, Stony, when it just came out. And I'm like, it was, it was cool. But I mean, but then the second record, he really, I, I mean, again, there's some shit on Beer Bongs and Bentley's his last record that was almost like Death Tonesy Sublime. I mean, he really puts real instrumentation and this kind of real rock thing into it. And I mean, it's, I mean, look, some of it's straight up kind of R&B, hip hop, but even that, his vocal flow and delivery is so different. You know what I mean? It's, and, then, you know, and then he played with Aerosmith on the MTV Awards and then he played with fucking Sublime and he does all this other shit and it's just, you know, I mean, he really just always blows me away. When Ozzy dropped that song with Post Malone, I started listening in. 
Ozzy, Ozzy actually just did a song on his new record, and it's awesome. So during the show, during Posty's show, they had these big screens that all of a sudden Ozzy shows up on singing his fucking parts, and it's so fucking rad. But yeah, no, he did a Ozzy. There's a song on, on Post Malone's new record called "Take What You Want" that Ozzy is on, and it's fucking awesome. I mean, it's really, really. And dude, that was one of the things I the first things I said when I saw him here. I'm like, like after the show, I do the Ozzy thing was fucking. Rad. Again, he's the guy to do that, like, in the middle of the night, he's, like, texting me, like, big four videos, like, dude, this is what I'm watching. You know, he's just such a cool, for being the biggest pop star in the world, he's this super cool, down-to-earth fucking metal guy, you know what I mean, at his heart, which, again, it just uh, speaks to me. You know, he's a music fan. He's a fucking young kid in his 20s who happened to just stumble onto the magic formula and become bigger than anybody, and God fucking bless. It looks like I have to indulge a little more on Post Malone. Like I would, I'd probably start with beer bongs and Bentleys and some of the stuff on that, man. I mean, there's some songs on that record that they're just so, I mean, honestly, they're like death tonesy. You know what I mean? It's almost weird. Like, I mean, it's not metal in the least, but it's just super cool fucking rock, but with a bit of like a, I don't know. I don't know. I'm rambling on, but. <laughs> Yeah, definitely some recommendation. Ozzy, as a metal guy, would probably be a good place to start, though, because I think you'll fucking love that. You know, especially Ozzy doing what Ozzy does in a fucking like hip hop song. I mean, it's so fucking cool. Yeah, Post Malone is definitely most of the voices in my head right now. I mean, dude, honestly, I listen to tons of Megadeth, tons of Post Malone. I mean, you'd think now I'd basically play in an offshoot of Megadeth, I'd be over it. But dude, I would do the Mega Cruise. We, we got to talk about that, too, because that was actually fucking. So, uh, of course, you know, Dave Mustaine is, is sick, and he couldn't make it on the Mega Cruise, so there was no Megadeth performance. So, basically, we did a jam. We brought out our whole band that we've been touring with and we played our Megadeth set and Kiko and Dirk came up and played some songs with us. They came up and played, you know, Pucelles and The Conjuring and some of the stuff as part of the encore and it was just such an amazing moment to get to pay tribute to Mustaine and yeah, and then every morning me and David did a coffee thing on the boat and a couple times we played acoustic. Kiko came and played acoustic with us and we played you know, some other stuff, and that was really cool, and uh, yeah, but it was so great to get to, you know, Electra Mustaine was there for our show, and she was super stoked by it, and you know, it, it was really fucking, it was an amazing experience to get to pay tribute to Mustaine, and, and, and really, you know, again, as a fan, I mean, it was the ultimate respect to be able to pay to somebody who's influenced me so much, and, you know, again, it really was a fucking hell of a moment, man, to be basically the, the, the voice of Megadeth on the Mega Cruise, you know what I mean? There was nobody else singing Megadeth songs on the Megadeth Cruise. I mean, it was really, you know, there was me and a Megadeth, us and a Megadeth tribute. <laughs> You know, there was no, there was no like star jam doing Megadeth. It was basically just us, and then Kiko and Dirk came up and played with us, and it was really, really fucking unbelievable, man. Yeah, I know it was cool. And then David did a clinic one day, and we had a couple other guys jam, and we did Wake Up Dead, which we'd never played before. And yeah, so it's fun, man. It's good. We basically when we play the Megadeth stuff, we play kind of obscure, so far so good, so what stuff, and peace cells. We basically play stuff that Megadeth doesn't play anymore. You know what I mean? We play it in a real piss and vinegar old school punk rock way you know like people come up to me when they see us like a god it was like seeing Megadeth in a fucking shitty club in 1988 you know and to me that's the ultimate compliment you know what I mean because again we're just you know doing justice to it but kind of in a bygone era of the band that you know I, I, that 
that's kind of the thing. When we were talking about doing it, I'm like, all right, well, we have to play this song. We have to play this song. I, I have kind of this list of obscure songs I love that Megadeth never fucking plays. And they was like, yeah, let's do it, you know? So, and that was it. On the boat, we played Liar, The Conjuring, Peace Cells, uh, Hook and Mouth, Anarchy, Go to Hell. I mean, again, a lot of shit that Megadeth never hasn't played live in 20 fucking years, you know? Yeah, well, look, considering, considering how everything went and that at the last minute, Mustaine couldn't come and Megadeth couldn't play and people are still happy. I mean, I think that says a lot about how everybody came together and really, you know, just in the name of Megadeth and, and Mustaine. And again, everybody really came together. And I think really just all the bands were awesome. Anthrax was amazing. Suicidal was amazing. We actually did this awesome all-star kiss jam too, which was basically, you know, Charlie, Frank and Scott from Anthrax, David, Teddy from Death Angel, Ra from Suicidal, Calico, Cooper, Doro, Carlo from The Butcher Babies, Chuck Billy, Mark Azagueda from Death Angel, and it was fucking awesome, man. It was just awesome. It went to like three in the morning. A lot of people said that was, you know, a lot of people came up to me and said, either our Megadeth Jam or the Kiss Jam were the two highlights of the cruise for him. I mean, that's definitely a, an honor, man, to be able to, you know, have people take away something like that from it, you know? Fucking Doro Pesh and God of Thunder with Chuck Billy. So, I mean, come on, man. As a, a huge Kiss fan, like, that's it. Where do you go from there, man? Much done. Look, now I'm mean, like, combat just started when we launched combat. That just kind of became the heavier stuff. And, like, it's all under EMP. It's all distributed by EMP. You know, it's all under the same umbrella. The combat's just, again, we tried to keep a little more to the traditional roots of combat, heavier, thrashier metal stuff. And so basically all the more metal stuff moved over to combat and the more, the more, you know, some of the more mainstream. And again, EMP is like Doyle and Mark Slaughter and Autograph and Ron Keel. And some of it skewed sort of more into the kind of legacy classic rock, 80s rock shit. But some of it, and again, we still have Dow Skin and we put out Motigrator and some of Stuff that was a little heavier. Yeah, combat just like combat became our outlet for the heavier stuff, and EMP just kind of stayed a little more traditional, straightforward rock, you know? Let's chat about the connection with Dead by Wednesday and Dave Ellison and the side note with Mark Rizzo. Opus and Dave, the guitar player, are the guitar player and drummer in, in David's solo yeah. band in America. I mean, those guys are all friends, and they all know each other. And, I mean, Rizzo played on the Dead by Wednesday stuff. And, I mean, they're on tour together right now. And I sang for Rizzo on a couple of shows, and we're all actually talking about going out. You know, me and Rizzo are talking about me singing on a couple of songs on his solo record. And we've talked about going out and doing a tour together next year and me singing for Rizzo because he kind of just goes out solo and just plays or he sings. And, you know, so he played in Green Bay, and I was home, and I went and sang some Sepultura and some stuff with him. And he's like, God, this is fun. We should go do more. So we're talking about, oh, actually, all of us, Dead by Wednesday, Rizzo, and me all doing some fucking shows together next year. You know, look, we're all friends, and we all work together and hang out. And, again, so, I mean, just shit like that kind of happen. I mean, it's just like all the stuff on the record. I mean, look, Tremonti, all these guys are just buddies of ours, you know? We're like, fuck, let's do something together, you know? How do you think the industry has changed? Modern technology, none of us were even in the same place. I mean, again, like Joey came in the studio, but DMC was tracking his vocals in New York while I was tracking mine in Phoenix. You know, we sent him in at the same time, dropped him into the song, and again, it's like you, it's even cooler when you can create chemistry when you're not even in the same fucking state, you know what I mean? You're not even in the same time zone, and you can create chemistry. I mean, that's almost cooler, you know? Crazy, man. Hey, that's funny, though. In the 70s, the pace was crazy. Like, bands would put out two or three records a year, though. You know? So it's like, we've kind of gone back to that, you know? I mean, 
but then it was a lot more expensive to do it and harder. It's like now you can kind of just go do it. You know, you can record your records at home or in a smaller studio. I mean, when I started managing bands, I mean, it would cost us two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to make fucking records. It's like now it costs a couple thousand dollars to make a record, you know? So there's definitely been some systematic changes just in the overall workflow and, and the way the business operates in general, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line is, and I've been saying this for 15 years, there used to be, say what you want about the major labels and MTV and the magazines, they used to be gatekeepers. And you had to succeed to a certain level and, and do these certain things. But if you did, you'd get a shot. It's like now there's so much noise and, and it's so much harder to break through because now everybody just, oh, I recorded every local band, recorded a record and put it out and is calling themselves a national band before they've ever played a fucking show. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it's, it's leveled the playing field in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it was never really meant to be a level playing field. You know what I mean? It's like certain things, like it's almost better. It's good to have gatekeepers who are actually in touch. And, you know, again, it's, it's great. And, and there's some independent bands that can shine and do certain things, but in other ways it's definitely been a hindrance just on, you know, I mean, just the amount of product and bands and, and, and stuff that's out there. I mean, it's really hard to cut through and make an impact, you know? I mean, a lot of bands fucking came out and just, oh, we put our record out on iTunes. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, you used to have to get a label to give you a million dollars to go make a record. It was like, you know, it was a lot more strenuous of a, a screening process. I was like, now I made a record in my basement and I put it on iTunes, and sometimes they're fucking great. But, again, it's just like, you know, it's kind of like, Major League Baseball. It's like you got to go play in the minor leagues and they get drafted up. You can't just like, you know, if everybody could be a professional athlete, it wouldn't be as special anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's, and that's exactly where the music business is, you know? So what's next for you? Man, I have no yeah. idea what's going on. I mean, look, David's going back to Megadeth. They have some tours announced and hopefully Mustaine will be fine. And So I don't know. I mean, again, I'm, I'm working on this, some stuff with Poland and some other projects, and I'm sure at some point me and Dave will start working on another solo record, and, you know, again, it just really, who knows, man, maybe we might do some more stuff with this K.K. Downing thing, I mean, again, it's really all up in the air, this whole year has been kind of seat of our pants, man, you know, when Mustaine announced his cancer, Megadeth canceled everything, that's when we said, fuck it, we're just going to go book tours, and we went and did a whole you know, U.S. tour, and now we're going to Europe. And again, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen next year yet, man. But again, more than likely, I'll end up doing some stuff with Rizzo, which I'm super excited about. I'll end up doing some stuff with Chris Poland, which I'm thrilled about. And me and David will end up doing something. I don't know what yet, but whatever we do, it'll be fucking fun and awesome, I hope. <laughs> In closing, let everyone know what's going on and what you have up to bat. Yeah, definitely, man. I just would love to tell everybody to check out our book more life of death the sleeping giants album in europe the sleeping giants album actually comes out on friday our audio book for more life of death comes out i think next week on audible and it's awesome man we actually got kk downing and dan don again and mark tremonti and everybody in the book we got to actually read their parts almost everybody in the book head from corn dirk Kiko, I mean, yeah, obviously me and David, almost everybody in the book read our own parts of the audiobook, which is fucking rad. Again, thank you for coming on, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.